0: Bobo Network is the bomb The cutting edge of geekdom Comics, advice, D&D Movies, video games, RPGs Finding it's easy, just stay calm
1: the Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight Games, where Out of Print is available again, and listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and D&D Classics affiliate links.
2: Hey, this is Mike Merles, lead developer of 4th edition, and you're listening to the Tome.
0: Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner.
1: And I'm Tracy Hurley. In this episode, number 214, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty about how to DM a D&D next game. And joining us for this is someone who is as close as you can get to a veteran next DM. The dungeon master who uses Sly Flourish attack on his players, the laziest DM we know, it's Mike Shea! Yay!
0: I'm very lazy. <laughs> kind of tired. <laughs> lazy and tired. Or are you lazy because you're tired? Probably Both. I mean, it's, being lazy is very tiresome. Yes. You know, it's a very lazy sort of DM who writes an entire book about being a lazy DM. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which people can find over at com slash... Lazy DM. Lazy DM. We want to thank our returning sponsor, Noble Knight Games. They're back and they're still selling some killer gaming stuff on their website. As our pick for this episode, we just wanted to remind you that they sell more than just RPGs. I suspect some of you out there might also play board games, miniature games, or card games. In fact, a normal top seller for Noble Knight is Magic the Gathering. So if you play any sort of tabletop game, in print or not, you'll likely be able to find what you want from Noble Knight. Noble Knight is a long-standing game store specializing in finding out-of-print games while also offering the newest great releases.
1: Including D&D?
0: They got it from any edition. That's right, all of them.
1: What if I want a board game? Card game minis or dice?
0: Noble Knight has it all and at a discounted price. In fact, Noble Knight has over 30,000 unique items on stock. And you know you can trust this Better Business Bureau accredited store with a satisfaction guarantee.
1: Yeah, but I've bought too many things over the years. How can I justify spending even more?
0: Good thing we're talking about Noble Knight, then. They'll buy your old gaming things and offer you cash or trade, so you'll be able to keep up with all the great gaming stuff you want. Check them out at noblenight.com.
1: Wow, I'll go today!
0: And be sure to tell them the Tome Show sent you. All right, so let's talk next. Let's talk next. In fact, let's talk about DMing DD next. My favorite part. Mike's done a bunch of it. I've uh, done some,
1: I've,
2: yes.
0: I've I've done a, a bit. So let's talk about how it's done.
1: Tracy, have you I've done some ha- tra- I, Yeah, I've done some DMing. Okay.
0: I didn't mean to leave you out, I just didn't know when I wrote the script. <laughs> it's okay. So how much how much uh maybe we'll go through our experiences DMing DD next. Tracy, what have you done?
1: Uh, I was running my own campaign. I think we did about six or eight sessions before stuff went crazy again, so.
0: Okay. Mike? What? How much DMing of Next have you done? Uh, since the first private playtest?
2: Well, since, um, when they released it at, uh, um, not Winter Fantasy, what do they call it, the D&D experience last year. So I DM'd it then, and then started. As soon as the the private playtest went out, I've been running. I I ran it for a good piece of last year.
0: Okay.
2: And and this year, up up through probably February of this year.
0: So you've done it a bunch. Uh, I've done it off and on. Uh I did a lot when they were doing the friends and family playtesting. Um we did a three or four sessions here and there. we you know, then we'd pick drop it for a while and then we come back and do one session. Uh, you know, just sort of off and on like that as we've sort of watched it develop. Uh and then we've started a, a full campaign, what what's it been? Two months now? Mike, you probably know as well. Yeah, so. I
2: think so. Probably two or
0: three. I yeah, think been- we've had three yeah, that sounds about right. We've, so we've done two or three, two or three months where uh, we're doing a conversion of Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil, uh, an old 3rd edition campaign, um, as Next. And so that's been my experience. Uh, I've had a lot more experience with the latest stuff probably than, than I had the older stuff. But, but the later stuff is probably more relevant to people looking for advice on how to run the D&D Next playtest, huh? Yeah. So what are some things people should look out for?
2: Hmm. Who are you asking? Me?
0: Anybody who wants to answer.
2: I have, I have answers. Okay. <laughs> um, I always, well, I have thoughts. Uh, there were two things. There were two house rules that I put into play right when we started the play test. And I talked to my most important player, uh, my wife, about whether or not they worked out well. And she thought they worked out well. And I thought they worked out well. Um, and one of them was that we always play with the most recent play test. Mm-hmm. So, no matter how much we love things that were in the old one, or hate things that are in the new one, or anything that makes us mad, we don't care. We always go to the next one because the point is to play test their most current stuff. Uh, that can be frustrating um, for everybody, mm-hmm. but but yeah. it actually it's the only, in my opinion, it's the only way to really get a good feel for the play test.
0: So, what happens if somebody's playing a class and in the next play test that class isn't there? We they switch. They got to switch. Okay.
2: Yeah, we've, we've done that. Um, and then the other rule that I put in place, which helps offset that first rule is the players can switch to anything they want at any time. Yeah. know, given, given a certain level range. Okay. So if they want to go from a fighter to a sorcerer, no problem. I think I, I think I might've been a pain about somebody who wanted to switch a race just because, um, but, but, and only because it was going to be weird for the whole story. Um, but generally speaking, anytime anybody in West switch their scores around or try different weapons or or switch classes completely, they could do so uh, at will with no with no restrictions.
0: Yeah, and I find my group uh, that's not even an issue. I, they don't want to do a lot of switching. They want, if anything, they're looking for some consistency. And when things change up, they're more than willing to change them. Um, you know, they don't want to change classes and races and things just for the sake of trying something new, unless it's you know something happened to my old character and now I got to make a new one. Right, right. And we had it
2: where sometimes
0: people had a particular type
2: of character in mind and the rules didn't support it and then suddenly the rules would and ah. they, wanted to, they wanted to try that other stuff. First, mm-hmm. There were occasions where, like, I think we had a, we had a my favorite was uh, one of the players played a, uh, a thief and then switched over to the monk and then didn't like the iteration of the monk and switched back to the thief and we said that basically he would just take his shirt off so like you know, when he had his shirt on, he was the rogue. When he had his shirt off, he was the monk. <laughs> nice. And that worked pretty well. So we were like, do you have your shirt on? He's like, yeah, I've got it on. I'm like, okay, you can pick the lock. So.
1: One of one um, of the problems I just had was I couldn't even get the players to read the rules. Yeah. Uh, that, so that that's was one- tricky
0: too, right? I mean, um, sometimes you know a new playtest packet comes out, and I've got. There's been times it's come out, and I've had two days before my game starts. Well, you know what? We're not reading the rules, but I'll have all those f- files open on my laptop at the game so I can look the stuff up on the fly.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, they weren't even downloading the packets, and like, it got to the point uh, – part of the reason that it's, it, we stopped was that uh, they were supposed to level their characters, and they, they were like, oh, when are we going to level I was like just download the packet and follow the instructions, and they never did. <laughs> so it became like this thing that was really weird.
0: Mm-hmm. Now on on on, on, a, on a positive note uh that the, one of the things that works out really well with Next actually is I had a situation where I had the my characters or my players level um mid session and, right. and and I just had them you know you know here's my iPad it's got the PDF on it uh, this guy over there's got his iPad with the PDF on it you know and and here's my laptop so we got three different devices let's level your characters right now and the whole process took maybe 15 minutes.
2: Mhm. Right. Yeah, I think I think I got pretty lucky because I have some guys who are really into the rules, so I never I never read the rules, but they did, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, you know I would I, and we just we had everybody had iPads or some kind of some kind of thing. And uh, we had a couple of extra copies of the rules around And then we just look it up as we went um, Most of the players didn't have a problem leveling their characters up Or they would come before the game and level them up before the game mm-hmm. um, But bl- I'm, I'm actually pretty lucky that I've got players who are really into whatever rules that we happen to be playing And will we'll generally get into it more than I will And then I just fall back to them when we need to figure things out But I'm not sure every group has that doesn't yeah. sound like they do
0: I've got a mix Some of them will and some of them won't
2: Yeah, for me it was like as long as I have two and as long as they're relatively even-handed at how they judge things and they're not trying to cheat.
0: Yeah, and actually I found – I mean back to your first issue of always using the latest packet, right? Um, I found when I first started playtesting, that was sort of the bane of our existence because things were changing dramatically. Uh, And so things were changing so much that it just really hurt the consistency of our story and our game and and it just became a big frustration until the point that we just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, that actually – yeah.
2: That that got my group to we we've stopped recently uh, for that very reason. For us it was a little harder, and this is actually a a recommendation that I have, which is kind of an odd Mm -hmm. one. The friends and family stuff actually makes it significantly harder to keep any kind of consistency going. Sure. Yeah. And I think I would have been I would have been happier. Like I think it's we we want to try out the new stuff and we certainly want to help, you know, especially if you're in friends and family, which is a smaller pool of people, you really want to help kind of steer things. But when you're also spending like four hours with a group of your friends and and that's a pretty hard thing to get together and it's a hard you know it's you're not going to have so many of those in your life to then spend it worrying about rules that may never come into existence can be kind of a, a pain sure so i think right. i would have rather stayed with the published public playtest as much as possible
0: mm-hmm.
2: because it's it's a lot more consistent well
0: and, 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 uh, and nowadays if you're in the friends and family you maybe get one session with the the friends fam- yeah. of the I, the early playtest or whatever because the, then usually we're getting things you know a couple of weeks, two or three weeks before it becomes public.
2: Well, and you might see stuff that's just really weird, and it yeah. kind of gets everybody riled up, and then everyone's kind of, oh, my God, what's going on with this? And then it never shows up in, right. in the public. I guess it did its job, right? Yeah. We all screamed, and it didn't show up. In but. your
0: in your game, it only shows up in the one session. You know. Yeah,
2: right, but then everybody's still mad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they still remember that one time that that one yeah. thing did crazy stuff.
2: Yeah, the hard the hard part is um, they they nerfed a lot. I mean, the math has been kind of all over the place, and Mm -hmm. it's hard as a DM, and I think it's hard as a player as well to kind of get a get an understanding of the balance of the math. Um, And like they were when they were playing around a lot with the uh, fighter expertise dice, you know, fighter's power went way down when they started tweaking the expertise dice, and we had you know my wife was like, you know, my fighter felt really awesome and tough and powerful, and now feels kind of weak and gimpy and that that's a frustrating thing and it's particularly frustrating if you say well we're always going with the new rule set so i'm sorry your well, got and,
0: and that's that's tri- that's a tricky part of playtesting in general i think is that um, any i mean any time you go from being for the numbers going down on your class yeah, right. right it may be the best thing it may be more balanced and you may not have noticed it if it had been that way before but just by virtue of the fact that it's it's gone down and it's not as much as it used to be, mm-hmm. it feels like you've been nerfed, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I think these are all things that, that a DM who's running the play – I mean
2: it's a little tough because I don't know what DMing the playtest is like now or, or will be for the rest of the duration of the playtest sure. compared to the way it's been over the last year. Uh, right. But I would say like staying flexible and managing the expectations of the group and you know all that. It's important to keep these things in mind that Mm -hmm. math is going to be all over and that players may feel like, wow, this is really awesome. And then it's now all of a sudden it sucks.
0: Yeah, I've actually built um, all of that a a little bit into the – I have sort of baked it into my campaign Mm -hmm. Um, in in order to not – try to lose the consistency of the story like we've got this big um um backstory dealing with the the deck of many things and uh, this chaos god returning and all this kind of stuff and, and tied to the temple of elemental evil now and, and this massive sort of world shaking event so it sort of makes sense that the very nature of reality is always sort of in a, in a bit of a state of flux so when a new playtest packet comes out you know oh well, there's just a new wave of reality shattering stuff and things are just different now
2: yeah Yeah, other than the guy taking his shirt on and off, I had no in-game system that uh, you to find the changes Mm -hmm. in the rule set.
0: Well, that was my attempt to get over the the problems we had running it before.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's a good idea.
0: I had
1: a good idea. Yes. And one of the things I noticed in running the playtest was that it seemed like they were spending a lot more time on developing the player stuff early. Mm. And so some of the stuff for the DMs was kind of missing or... Like, mm-hmm. with the bestiary, the, the numbers for the monsters were just all over the place. That so yeah. I never felt confident that when I was building uh, encounters that I had a firm grasp of how hard or easy it was going to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. And I've had an interesting sort of situation because I haven't actually had to build any encounters. I'm just running the Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil. And if it says mm-hmm. there's four gnolls, I just pull up the bestiary and say, well, this is the stats they have for gnolls or, you know, whatever it, it is. Mm-hmm. I do run into the issue of sometimes it says you know there's two grells in here, and then I open up the beast area and there's no grells. Yeah, I,
2: mean, I just I reskinned everything, and and I just want I just winged everything I could. I mean, I ran I ran White Plume Mountain when it was like the first public playtest, and they had hardly any monsters at all, mm-hmm. and uh, and White Plume Mountain was a higher level, you know, a higher level uh, adventure. But I just changed the level of the entire adventure down to the level that we had and reskinned all the monsters and just kind of made things up on the fly and it worked it worked perfectly well.
1: Yeah, well, like, I think they the,
2: hardly noticed.
1: I think the hard part I just ran into is that uh m- my group wanted more of an urban adventure where they had flying mm-hmm. airships and it didn't match well with what was available right. with d Next.
0: Cuz there's, you know, only so many humanoid <laughs> sort of things to go up against, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah. I was I was coming up with reasons why there are kobolds in town. <laughs> and I made junkyard wars with air, show, air show, little air <laughs> Awesome!
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I ran I ran an Eberon one of my 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 biggest um, next playtest was an Eberon campaign, and yeah, there's like no Warforged, and there's not a you know none of the typical Eberon stuff that you would see. Um, so I would just kind of make up like higher level magic. Right. Uh, but i just you know and and it was another one with a lot of humanoids like slave lords is one of the modules that i kind of ran in which is almost you know a lot and a lot lot of humanoids mm-hmm. and i just i just reskinned orcs and reskinned kobolds into weaker humanoids and yeah humans and, and it worked yeah it, i actually
0: got an idea recently from you i think it was on behind the dm screen mike um because it, i'm you know return to the temple of elemental evil um they're they're fighting a lot of clerics of various mm-hmm. levels and and you told me you pointed out that well if you Pull up the the what is the dark priest or whatever stats. Right, most of their powers are just spells. Right, so right. I just I, I, I made a a one page sort of cheat sheet of a bunch of spells with sort of a, an abbreviated description of the spell and what it does. Mm-hmm. With, with a little formula of this is, you know, depending on the level, this is about how much damage it'll do or whatever. And so I can just trade out spells. Well, maybe the, he doesn't have that one, but he has got something off this sheet, and I can make each cleric start to actually feel a little bit different because they have they have different spells available to them. Right, right.
1: Yeah. And did you did you guys also reskin things just from old uh, monster manuals and stuff like that? Because I did that with some of the second edition stuff I have.
0: Yeah, I, f- I found that um, if, if I can't find... Something that I can res- like the Grell was my big was one of my big sticking points. Right, I could not find something to legitimately reskin as a Grell and make it feel like a growl. Uh, so I just ran the third edition stats for a growl. And mean, did it work well enough? It worked fine. Nobody noticed no, n- noticed any difference. I find I found that if I just run the straight up numbers for the a third edition the third edition stats of a creature, it generally works fine. Sometimes I got to tweak the AC or whatever a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but for the most part. It's it's an, it's been a non issue. Yeah. You know, or or at least it's a non non issue enough that, you know, if something doesn't quite work, I can use common sense and, and some basic logic to to suss out, well, this is how it's gonna work now. Mm-hmm. Just, just make a quick on the fly ruling.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the latest playtest has helped that a lot. First of all, I mean, so here's here's one of the
2: ironies. You know, as soon as we decided that we wanted to try a different system for a little while, was when I think the best of the playtests came out, <laughs> and the most current playtest has tons of monsters for all sorts of different stuff. Yeah. and um, and I, I mean, you know, every monster they add is one other monster you can reskin into something else. Mm-hmm. So, I think now the the B series that they have are probably wide enough that you can run, you know, a whole lot. A whole lot more than you had. And it looks like the math is a lot more balanced than it was because, yeah, Tracy's right. The monsters were all over the place when it came to stats, and you didn't know if something was going to eat their lunch or just fall over dead the second the players looked at it.
0: Yeah. Well, my my part – and I've, I've told some pieces of this story before. But My party um, took a 14th-level dragon that I've only very slightly modified. They were fourth level at the time and, and took it apart in, in less than two rounds. And then the next session almost died from a pack of gnolls. Right. Which are first level. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, So that's
2: that's one thing looking at the playtest, just looking at the public playtest. Um, you know, and, and certainly I'm like I'm playing Pathfinder now and I played a lot of 4E and I played 3.5 before that. I don't I don't see any game that's done solo creatures. Well, sure. You know, I don't see any game that's done a dragon like in, in 3.5. Dragons were great because if they breathed on your party, the whole party was dead. <laughs> you know yes that's that, great <laughs> right unless you know unless the party got a you know the right drop on them and you know took them out but um yeah it's really hard to do to do bosses yeah. and uh and i i really didn't i didn't bother in in next you know i just i just i would bosses would be normal guys and they would die just like anybody else sure
1: so uh how many of you guys uh took out a map or a battle map during the game versus doing it more theater of the mind st- style.
0: That's a good question. Um, Cause honestly um, I've got a fairly tactical group and we really heavily gravitated towards using a map often early on. And, and I started to getting to a point where it's like, okay, well once per session, we're going to do it you know for a little encounter of just two or three creatures. We're going to do a theater of the mind style. right. right. We've now over time as we've played it more and more, we've flipped that. Mm. Where where we do, we've gone entire sessions without drawing a single map. Um, and in fact, honestly, I think there are times that my players want me to draw a map and I won't. And it's just me being lazy because it's like, really, I got to spend 15 minutes drawing a map. that The encounter won't last 15 minutes. You know, mm-hmm. Why do I got to spend more time drawing the map than I, than I would, than we would, you know, playing the encounter?
1: Yeah,
2: I have done a mix as well. Um, I still tend to go towards the map because almost almost universally my, my players want maps.
0: Yeah, my players they want, want it. it. I'm just not they, giving they just, it to like, them. Yeah,
2: well I know. <laughs> and I and I don't like it, especially if they're fighting like two guys and there'll be lots of scenes where there's like a skeleton up in a you know, up on top of a tower of a castle and they shoot at the skeleton and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's not uh, I don't need a map for for it. But where I would, you know, I would probably say we we're 60% map and then 40% without. Um battles are certainly a lot faster, but when you put a map down, it's definitely a slower battle than if you don't. All right.
1: Right. Most most of mine have been uh no no map uh yeah. and more cinematic uh like people have been okay with letting with uh I don't know, having two people collide in the middle of a room, even though it's not both of their turn at the same time, just because mm-hmm. it made sense in the story and mm-hmm. was fun for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've, we've done a lot of that. Uh, the one thing I have done is divide the area into sections and then maybe use minis to represent who's in which section, but not have it be the grid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, one 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 trick that I kind of learned early on, and it's it, it, you can even kind of do it in 4e, and you can do it in some other systems too, is if you're if you're running theater of the mind, then saying yes makes everybody a lot happier. Sure. You know, yeah. so it's like, can I flank that guy? You're like, yep, you can flank him. You know, can I, you know, can I attack that guy without taking an opportunity attack? Yes, you can. Right. Like, y- 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 the more you are on the player's side for enabling them, and then you can be meaner on the DM by just throwing more monsters at them. You know, just make the monsters harder. But right. you can say, like, well, you know, if it, pretty much when the players want to do something or avoid something, you, you, you unless they're trying, they're clearly trying to game the system, yeah. you always you always give it to them and then they don't care that, like, they didn't know. You know, right. the minute you start to say, like, well, you can't really do this because there's, you know, too many and there's attacks of opportunity. That's what they say. Well, I don't know what the hell you're talking about because you don't have a map.
0: Right. No. 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 And I agree. And, and uh, although there can be exceptions, right? I mean, if you've got a, a creature who has who has specifically set something up or whatever to avoid flanks, then mm-hmm. you then you you have to be really careful about describing that and why they can't.
2: Yeah. Um, right. Before. But o-
0: otherwise, unless you've specifically set something up so that, to avoid what they're trying to do, then yeah, uh, more often than not, I try to say yes,
2: mm-hmm. and it works. You but know,
0: it, but every now and then, I still get that complaint. Well, I don't know what I can do because I, I don't know what's going on. I can't see where they are. I don't. I don't.
2: Yeah. Understand. Yeah, I get that a lot.
0: And, and honestly, I'm super, I'm shocked how much I have become a theater of the mind person because I am Mr. Big <laughs> fan of maps guy. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I I always go back to my high school D and D days where I used to hate it because I thought I w- could do something, and, I, and the DM says I couldn't do something, and and mm-hmm. it used to drive me crazy because you know the DM and I would have different visions uh, of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Although I find that I wonder if some of the uh, part of me thinks that you know it's possible. I'm a better DM now than me and my friends were back when we were in high school. It's possible.
1: <laughs> well, I was thinking about that too, because I started with fourth edition and my husband was very big into, he really wanted to play a no map encounter. And I just could not for the life of me understand how someone could play D and D without maps because fourth edition. Right. characters Tend to really kind of need them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to do in four E, uh, but in so four E it makes sense because every encounter is an hour long <laughs> Right. <laughs> An hour if you're lucky. Yeah.
1: So but the thing is I've played a lot of other games, uh like the Cortex Plus, uh like with Leverage and Marvel, and those games helped me figure out how to do theater of the mind, and then yeah. I just bring that to D D next. Mm-hmm. So I yeah.
2: Dungeon World did that for me as well. Dungeon yeah, World kind of showed me how the dynamic nature of a battle can work out. And and I've actually, you know, playing Pathfinder now, I've done I've done Mapless. Mapless battles in Pathfinder, which is a little bit—it's not quite as you know rigid right. as 4e, but it's it's very thick with uh, combat rules. Yeah, you can still do theater of the mind pretty well, mm-hmm. and and if it's if it's pretty transparent, you know, and, and people see like, oh well, I'm fighting a bunch of like, you know, you're fighting sturges or bats in a cave. Like, we well, don't need a map for bats in a cave.
1: Right. If they cast web, it's just going to cover the whole thing. We know that <laughs>
2: right. already. Anyway, fireball, <laughs> fireball hits everybody. <laughs> right. But the other. Uh, the, the other nice thing is, is you know, you can still have big set-piece battles mm-hmm. um, in D&D Next, and I've done lots of them. I've done, you know, my my, my big dwarven Forge setups for, for uh, D&D Next, and uh, I certainly have been using the uh, battle maps that uh, both Watsy and, and Paizo have released to great effect, and everybody seems pretty happy with it.
1: Nice. I had another question. Uh, it didn't come up as much in my group because nobody played a wizard, but I know from having played some Pathfinder that sometimes spells can get kind of interesting in play, kind of overshadow what everyone else is doing. How, did that come up at all in your guys' groups? In
0: yeah, Next? Yeah. We found that the uh, our druid um, can dominate any combat with Gust of Wind, <laughs> which is a first-level spell.
2: Yeah, it's always the way. It used to be Charm Person, right? Um, I I didn't see wizards dominating anything more. In fact, what we, we saw were, uh, you know, when we were playing, the melee characters were really strong. So the wizard would be like, I cast, you know, and I don't even remember which version of Magic Missile when it was zero level <laughs> and first level and everything. But, you know, they cast Magic Missile and they do like three damage. And the fighter's like, okay, I'm going to blow all my Expertise die, die. I do 28 damage. Yeah. Nice, I, yeah. Wow. Oh,
1: yeah, I think we had two sorcerers, uh Cleric who didn't really heal, and uh, a rogue, so
0: Yeah, we didn't we don't have a wizard in our party, but there are other spellcasters available now. Although the sorcerer and the warlock have gone away, we've added um druids and now, you know, paladins and rangers have spells pretty much from the from first level now. Right. So uh we've got a bit of spellcasting going on. Uh and only the druid has really sort of um dominated and generally in ways that, that, in some ways, in ways that they should, you know, um, I've seen the the druid dominate a bit in terms of well, I've got all these spells memorized and I can make this one work perfectly, you know, the Swiss Army knife sort of style of, mm-hmm. you know, look what I can do that'll help this this situation. On the mm-hmm. other hand, there are other spells like you know, gust of wind, which which are just dominant because he's he'll memorize nothing but gust of wind for his first levels uh, because then you know something's wrong. Well, because yeah, I mean the, he can knock down every single opponent and do a bunch of damage to all of them. So
1: is there anything you do to deal with that?
0: Um, Make note of it when I fill out the survey on the playtest. Yeah, that's actually really good. That's a really good point. And that's
2: something that's come up in our game is when we see things. the, the, The bane of my existence was parry. For a while, you know, mm-hmm. we had like three mm-hmm. fighters who just loved to parry, and they would fight the biggest dudes who are doing the most damage, and they'd parry, and they're like, "Yep, I'll take that eighteen damage and turn it into zero. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, oh, it just annoyed me. But my answer to it was the same as kind of the we will always play with the latest playtest, which yep. is we didn't house rule anything. So if it's- it was broken, we played with it broken, and we would we would unleash our rage in the surveys. Um, you know, we would not we would not change it at the table, and I would just accept the fact that you know harry was gonna make certain people invulnerable
1: mm-hmm. so 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 basically it sounds like if you're a DD next playtest dm you should just accept that some it's not you sometimes it's the the system
0: yeah and i think that, i mean it's a playtest, test right it, yeah, yeah if it if it was if it was all perfect yeah right then, they, then they'd publish it they would, you're getting
2: like... right and then you'd pay for it right. <laughs> like you know one, one big thing to keep in mind and granted our time you know, generally speaking, when you're talking about four hours of, you know, seven people, time is more valuable than the cost of a D and D book. But uh uh, you know, we are getting access to this for nothing with the in our our payment in return is is giving feedback to to make it better for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we gotta kinda live with that. But uh uh and that and that can actually be a big part of the decision. That was that was part of the decision of my group is we just you know, we all felt like that we loved it. I mean, what's funny is we're playing Pathfinder now, and we all, all of us have said, boy, you know, I can I kinda can't wait to go back to the next.
0: <laughs> and,
2: uh, yeah, we like Pathfinder, it's fun. I'm I'm having a ball and a lot of the players who are real rule heavy love it. But a lot of us, even the rule heavy ones, are like, yeah, I kinda miss, you know, I miss some of the fluidity that was in D Next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But all of us agreed that the, the problem we had is we always felt like it was changing, that the ground under our mm-hmm. feet was shifting every oh, yeah. three months, and that's a hard thing to deal with, so.
0: Well, or at least, I, I mean, I, I'm not finding it to be a hard thing to deal with, but I can see where it would get tiresome after a while. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're dealing with it fine, but it'll get old, you know, before too long, I imagine. I mean we didn't we never even had
2: like a a real moment where we said okay we're done like this sucks and I'm tired of it. It was pretty much like we ran mini campaigns and we said okay the mini campaign is going to end probably in three or four weeks. Why don't you know we can do another D&D next campaign. I was going to do the Mud Sorcerer's Tomb. I had a really good idea for Mud Sorcerer's Tomb. Um, I said we could do that. We could go back to 4E. We could do Pathfinder or we could do Dungeon World and we did like one session of Dungeon World and most people didn't like it. I liked it a lot but players are like where's my you know, I want rules for movement, and um, the uh, everybody except my wife didn't want to do four E. Um, she loves four E, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I was happy to run it because I was going to run our first level, and I love four E at first level. Mm. Um, and uh, everybody else said they wanted to try Pathfinder out,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and then I said, and and next people are kind of like, I think we want to, you know, Take step through a little while, and we did.
0: Right on. So here's my next question: um, How do you design a session for next? You know, because mm-hmm. um, because I've you know, I, I did a lot of contemplation on how do I design a session when I when I'm running 4 E. Right. And and the the time I would spend on things in 4 E are very different than than the things I spend my time on when I'm designing a session for next. Mm. You know. That's interesting. Because when I'm running 4e, in our six seven hour game night, we might get through two or three encounters at most. Right, playing next, we might get through a dozen. You know, mm. uh, and so it, it changes. You know, I I don't need every single encounter to be this mass. You know, this this real whiz bang. How do I put a different spin on things for every encounter? Because we're gonna have a bunch of them. You know. Um, and so I find that for Next, I, I focus less on encounter design and making each encounter unique and interesting and whatever. Um, although I still try to do some of that, right? Um, but I, fo- I, I spend more of my time thinking about story.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's um, one of the things to keep in mind when running, especially if you go from 4e to Next, um, is that the balance, you know, like uh, I think Merle's has always talked about like the three pillars of D&D, you know, exploration, role playing and combat. As being the three main general components of the game. There's obviously some other little bits in there. Um, and uh, as a, you know, going to D&D next, you have to you're going to end up spending a lot more time on exploration and role-playing. Mm-hmm. And as a DM, you're going to want to have a better handle on how to do that and make sure that it that it works out. You yeah. know, make sure that you're... you're you know, I I kind of shudder to say prepared. My lazy, the lazy dungeon master me is yelling about being prepared. But
0: well, you got
2: to be ready to at least improvise that
0: sort of stuff. Well, right, and and I think it's just a matter of, I mean, this my story in fourth edition moved slowly because we'd only get through two or three encounters a session, right? So I always had plenty. Of, you know, I didn't have to think too far ahead on my story. But with next, we can jump at a significant time on on the story. At the same time, I've had whole sessions where we've only had one or two encounters because they spent hours role playing and doing skill stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and maybe that's again because I'm I'm thinking more on story and and, and role playing and exploration instead of just fo- focusing focusing on combat as well. But I I do think I'm spending my time differently, um, preparing for uh, and designing sessions for next than I did for fourth edition or third edition before that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember what I did when I s- designed for se- second edition because that was ages ago. Um, yeah.
1: Well. What I found was I actually had spent so I didn't, I hardly did any DM prep, but I had to spend so much time lear- learning more of the player rules because the players weren't <laughs> learning them. And mm-hmm. they're, and, and because they didn't have it on their sheet in front of them, they'd just forget and they'd like, it would just keep interrupting the game because they'd have to look up what the spell did. Yeah. And stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had some of that. Um, the lucky thing for me is I have like, you know, again, because I have rule lawyer. I have a couple of rule lawyers in my game. They're more than happy to help somebody find out what his belt does, including me. Where I'm like, the you know, the the evil cultist turns to you, and fire blazes from his hand. Somebody tell me what the hell burning hands does.
1: <laughs> right, right. But it was just it's hard. It's like making like... him.
2: It's like making him go to the shed to get the belt. But <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. It just kept. Breaking up what was what was happening, and uh, even with skills, they couldn't remember if being what bonus being trained in it, they they would get and stuff like that. It was. You would think after like the third time it came up that they would that we would just learn to put it on the sheet, but for some reason nobody. <laughs> <And> nobody <laughs> got that
0: far. Although I mean, at this, at this point, I mean, I think in in just the two or three months that that we've that we've been playing the Temple of Elemental Evil um, campaign. I think even just the skills thing has changed, at, yes. le- at least once or twice, right? You know? So that's part of the issue as well.
1: And that was the thing is like other than than that part of it, I could keep most of it in my head, and we, I didn't have to plan the sessions out in advance. I didn't have to plan the encounters. I could just look at the bestiary and quickly put together mm-hmm. uh, approximately what should be there, uh, number of creatures wise, um, which was great for me because we were because I, I I wanted to run a campaign more like that. Uh, but yeah I think it was the player side that was slowing me down. Mhm sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we had some of that. Most of most of the time that it it felt pretty fluid for our group. Um so we never really had anything, not anything like 4E. Yeah.
0: And I found that uh, you know running a pre-published adventure is working really well for me too. I, I mean I haven't thought about encounter design at all. You know, mm-hmm. wh- whatever the adventure says is there even though it was, it was it was balanced for a different edition, you know, whatever it says that's what I throw in and and it's it's all working out fine. mm
2: mm-hmm. Mhm. Mm -hmm. yeah, I I
0: think one one complaint I had for my game um, was that I did not do
2: nearly I I didn't have nearly the level of environmental detail that (laughs) 4E battles had. Mm -hmm, And I just because I got lazy, I was like, "Eh, there's another room full of skeletons. (laughs) And, you know, there's there's certainly and I think some of that is like they don't as far as I remember, they don't really have a good set of traps and they don't have a good set of environmental do they?
0: I don't remember no, that. No, no, I didn't seen the
2: Yeah, so I, I didn't not not I guess not like I remember with four E. Right. Um and you can certainly create it. Like I, I had lots of stuff where like, oh if you climb up on this area then you can get advantage on everybody down below. So there's lots of nice you know, advantage is such a great mechanic to use as a, uh, a either a detriment or a an advantage, so to speak. Right. Um, and but it- you can create a lot of effects.
1: Uh, kind of along the lines of advantage, did you also find yourself asking them to to roll less often?
2: You mean for skills and stuff like that? Yeah, I think I I don't know I mean I I think that I don't I don't remember anything in the system itself that had me asking them to roll more or less. I think that uh, different DMs, you know, I've, I'm certainly kind of picking up a little bit more of the idea of look if it's if it's if it's boring, just let them do it. Right. You know, um, but I think that. And you know, it, it, players and groups and you know groups and DMs will will have different levels of of uh, whether or not they want to roll for skill checks and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and that and that's. I mean, I've been trying to sort of leaning this way for for years now. Anyway, but um, I, I've been trying to encourage players to you know. Don't tell me about the roles you're making, but tell me what your character is doing. Sure, and then right. I will. Then I'll tell you the role later. You know, so but but mm-hmm. that, and that becomes tricky when you start getting to things like intimidate or diplomacy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my, my rule of thumb has always just sort of been let them say what they're going to say, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. might it might be that I modify a DC or I give them a bonus or 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 or, or you know um, some sort of modifier plus or plus or minus. Mm-hmm. based on what they say but then after they've said what they're going to say then i'll have them do the role to mm-hmm. see, see you know how it's received
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: one thing i absolutely love about next and i i, I really hope they
2: I, I think they're going to end up keeping this in there is the the universal uh dc ladder that they have where you know i think right now mm-hmm. it's like 10 15 20 right and mm-hmm. that's a really straightforward ladder that you can just keep in your head and pretty much any so any situation they run into you can just pick a number you know, easily pick a number and just have them roll without having to, you know, consult a set of tables mm-hmm. or yes. anything like that. And I'm I'm very happy with that. You know, four E had that like really big set of tables, mm-hmm. and it and it. Oh, and third edition is, did as well, right? And it. it, uh, it I don't know it. if third did. Pathfinder has a lot of different little ones. Yeah, but but generally speaking, if you look at Pathfinder, it's ten, fifteen, mm-hmm. twenty you know ten know. fifteen twenty twenty five yeah it's you know it across the board they there's certainly a lot of things, and if you have a rule lawyer, they're gonna tell you no, walking across a plank that's this many inches wide is this d c not that sure. DC. Yeah, yeah, but generally speaking, you could pick ten fifteen twenty and um uh, and use those as a general ladder for any skill check
0: mm-hmm.
2: but yeah. that's just it's a really nice thing to have
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm looking forward to the table with the monster math. <laughs> So it make it even easier to the pa- the,
0: the page forty two I think is what it was from yeah uh, right from yeah, yeah. DMG oh. didn't do they have I think the
2: monster book has a little monster creation thing in it doesn't it oh, I don't remember mm-hmm.
1: seeing that I, I, don't
2: th- I thought it, I thought it I don't you know of course I'm well prepared I don't have any
1: <laughs> I was looking uh, at it but I didn't, I didn't get to the end
2: yeah I I think they have a little bit of a monster creation thing uh, in it. See, that, just,
0: that just goes to to the whole issue of I'm spending all my my prep time working on story stuff that I, you know I don't dig through the that stuff very often anymore.
1: They right. do also have a bunch of customization and variant options in it. I don't see it, but
0: yeah. yeah, pulling it up. So if you're if somebody hasn't started playing D and ne- D or DMing D and D next yet, would you recommend? Um, using one of their next adventures, would you recommend converting an existing adventure, or would you recommend creating your own adventure?
1: I would not recommend creating your own adventure, <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> well, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, but if you, are I mean, I, I guess it depends. New to D and D next, or newer to D and D overall? Because I yeah. think if you if you played really? much earlier editions, you'll be okay. Mm. Um. If there's he... a
2: lot. Yeah, there's a lot of real I mean the 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 most current playtest in the adventures section has like a whole ton of they don't they not only have entire adventures of Caves of Chaos, Isle of Dread, Reclaiming Blingdenstone, Mud Sorcerer's Tomb, and then they have the entire Dungeons of Dread uh reskin. There's so many adventures in here. And they're really good open-ended adventures. Like the, 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 the uh, Isle of Dread is a fantastic open-world adventure. I don't, I don't know that you have to make your own. I mean, you can. And, and I agree with Tracy. It, it depends on the experience level of the DM. Mm-hmm. But these are really easy to run. I think these are a lot easier to run than a lot of modern adventures.
0: Well, and part of me, part of me thinks that some of the tools aren't quite there yet to make it really easy to, to create your own um, or they're there, but they're constantly changing, so which makes it even harder um, to make your own. I I, w- I would tend to agree, although I I tend to not like the the, <laughs> yeah. the adventures that they provide.
1: Oh, um, well, that's a different question, right?
0: <laughs> well, right, and uh, but so that's that. But that's what's available to to be listening oh, yeah. right? to. Um, so I would actually recommend. I, I the best luck I've had is taking an old adventure that I like and converting it. Because um, when I you know when when I ran Caves of Chaos. It was just a straight-up dungeon crawl, right? Um, Blinged stone is just really short. Uh, and so these, these things either lack a lot of strong story or they're very short. Um, and, and they do exactly what they need to do for what they're doing, what they're playtesting, right? Um, but it's ironic because I find Next to, to be much more story-focused than, say, 4th edition. Um, and honestly, probably more so than, than I ever got into in 3rd edition as well. And that may just be me um and my dming style has, has evolved um but the adventures they provide don't necessarily do that because that's not what they need to play test right
1: mm-hmm. right mm-hmm.
0: so yeah my recommendation is actually at least for me the most the best luck I've had is taking a, an older edition module that I like and and converting that
2: i think that's true especially if you know the adventure you're going to run yeah I mean, one of the one of the problems I have with published adventures overall is I don't think they're any easier to run than making up your own. If you don't, if you're not experienced with it,
0: or if you want to make it really good, you know, if you if you just yeah. if you just if you, run the you, adventure as straight as is, um, then that can also get a little little old, right? Yeah, that's well, a lot of reading, like
2: especially the modern ones. I mean, they're big; they're oh, a lot yeah, of yeah. words, mm-hmm. and I'm lazy and I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> um, now, stealing seeds and stuff like that. What what I found, and and actually, I think it wasn't. I mean, you guys talked to James Wyatt about this, right? Didn't he take a whole series of old adventures and mm-hmm. just kind of turn mm-hmm. them into one Uber campaign? I mean, that to me is a great idea, especially if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But being familiar with them is a, is a, is really important. And actually, one of the reasons that I like the old 1970 whatever, 78 plus 8, 78 to 80 whatever uh, adventures is they're short, mm-hmm. and they don't they're they're not all the way full like there's lots of open gaps and there's lots of areas that are really you know it's it's written very dry and from what i heard it was written dry on purpose and that was because they expected dms to fill it in with their own stuff um and modern adventures they're just so thick with someone else's story and i don't want to tell someone else's story hmm. um so i you know i actually like the old ones because i can you know i mean you know, Isle of Dread, just because that was kind of the big one I ran. I mean, we ran that for like eight sessions. And I guarantee you it was nothing like anyone else's version of Isle of Dread. Mm-hmm. But the adventure gave me a lot of tools and a lot of things that I that I needed to, to make my life easier in running that. So, so I think, yeah, I think it's kind of a mixed bag. I think, you know, much probably, I don't know that Next is any easier or worse than any other edition in uh, either running your own adventure. You know, running your own adventure or running a pre-published one. That'd be my thought.
0: I think that's right. Although although I think right now um, it's probably easier to, to run a published adventure, whether it's one already set up for next or not. I found the conversion process to actually be fairly fairly straightforward and, and not too difficult or time-consuming. Um, I think I'd be spending a lot more time prepping and doing stuff um, if I was creating my own adventure.
2: It, yeah, did you guys take a look at the Minds of Madness adventure that's in the current playtest? I have not, but I've been listening to the podcast of it. Yeah, it's, well, that's, the only problem is anyone that's listened to the podcast, it's all full of spoilers. But the uh, <laughs> this is by far the most professional adventure that they've put out for Next. Hmm. I mean, it's got artwork in it. The formatting is like a fourth edition adventure. Uh, it looks really good. And I tell you, if I had a group that didn't know this already, mm-hmm. I would definitely play this because this looks like it's really fun.
0: Belsland ruined it for you.
2: No, Um, he's he's making my commute good. I can't complain.
0: (laughs) Right on. All right, what else? Hmm. Anything else in your notes? We could have a short episode. That'd be all right.
2: I don't know. Um, I had some really brilliant. I didn't um,
0: didn't make a list that was too long for things to talk about because I knew we were going to have Mike Shea on, and, and so I wasn't worried about it.
2: Well, I I already used up my whole three by five card. Um, I think it uh, lazy podcasting uh, now. You gonna, lazy podcasting. Yeah, I just write. <laughs> yeah, I just write like three bullets down. Um, I mean, one. So one thing I don't know if we mentioned is that the Dungeons of Dread, the new collector's edition of the Dungeons of Dread adventures, the four adventures that are mm-hmm. in that White Blue Mountain, Tomb of Tomb of Horrors, Expedition to Barrier Peaks, and Lost Caverns of of T Word. Sajcanth. Sajcanth. I've
0: been practicing.
2: Sajcanth. That's how I'm gonna. Um, watch it. That there are bestiaries for each of these that they've released, uh, including like, you know, berserk androids and stuff for Expedition to Barrier Peaks. Um, so that's a, that'd be a really nice, fun thing to run. You know, so, the, 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 you could run any of those adventures. So now we can do Gamma World next. Oh, man, I'd love Gamma World next. I just <laughs> got my I got all my Reaper, my Reaper Vampire Kickstarter rewards and it's full of guys with guns. So I'm itching to play some Gamma World. So I'd love to see if D next gamma world game
0: well the android old, the, karate trainer the old gamma world game works just fine
2: yeah it's, it's actually really lots and lots of fun probably works just fine um yeah so i you know i think that i think that uh i loved running DD next um i can't wait to run it again i really can't wait till this game is published yeah. <laughs> like you know i'm really hoping that when it's published it's all really smooth and clean and 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 a lot of the rough edges are pushed out. And I don't think it's going to be perfect for everybody. I think everybody's going to have some kind of problem with it. Um, but just what I've played so far, I really enjoy. And uh, I think it's great for DMs. I heard today, I was listening to uh, the latest D&D podcast, my second favorite podcast next to this one. And uh, they uh, did that work? Did that pandering? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay, yeah. cool. You're invited right um,
2: back yay um dot com slash lazy dungeon master um lazy dm lazy dm i can't even get my own url right i wrote it down it's in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> um that perkins his job is to make sure that next has like the tools to make dming uh next as good as it can be and dming fourth edition was actually great
0: uh-huh yeah, yeah. it was great so
2: i i think that they're you Know, I'm really glad that they're going to kind of pick up a lot of, of the things that made DMing fourth edition so great, and uh, uh, but but do it with this rule set that I'm really happy with. Um, because I, you know, I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm everybody, I've, I've played it with a whole bunch of different groups, and, and I haven't had any group that's like, wow, this is terrible, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think my group was very hesitant after our early experiences with it,
2: sure. Yeah. Um,
0: but now that we've gotten back into it, I think I don't. I guess I haven't asked them specifically, but I the impression I get is that we're having a lot of fun. I'm, mm-hmm. I know I'm having a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. I, think I it, mean, you know, one one thing that sorry, I, I was going to say. I think my current D and D next campaign is is uh, the most fun thing I've I've run that that I mm-hmm. can remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really trying to you know, you know, really trying to. Uh, uh,
2: take on the the philosophy of the dungeon bastard which is like if you're playing dungeons and dragons you're you're in a good state right <laughs> like if you're playing first edition second third 3.5 pathfinder 4e next dungeon world whatever you know if you squint they all look almost exactly the same and it, they're all just you know hanging out and having a good time with friends and the more you can kind of focus on that the happier you'll be overall yeah and and D next i think gives you a lot of tools to be able to do all that
1: Excellent. Yeah, well, Tracy. and I'm I'm just glad that it's starting to stabilize and have stuff that isn't just for dungeon crawls. So, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: so when is your my, next uh, next game gonna start, Tracy?
1: Uh, I don't know. Maybe after June.
0: June, June. Well,
1: wow, cause, well, it's yeah, a very like,
2: busy schedule. She's very busy. She's a, she's <laughs> an important person. I know.
1: Well, the big thing is I'm Won't going to answer with- my email. I'm going away to Germany for three weeks in June, so if I start oh, yeah. a game now it's kind of hard because mm. we'll play a couple of times and then it'll be on hiatus. We, we are
0: a world traveling podcast. You're I going, know. You're going, you're you're going, going to going Germany I'm going to Italy, uh, India. I'm going to Ireland. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. In May. We should... I don't know. I feel like we should do a globe-trotting so tomb show thing. We should come back and talk about it. Yeah, we should. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I should be able to play D&D when I'm in Germany, just not with the people here.
2: Right. <laughs> right. That's right. You Get to play get with Jared.
1: Yeah, get Jared to play. Make awesome. him draw some crazy stuff from this. You we'll can, create our own backgrounds.
0: There you go. And you, you can uh, you can you can test out sort of the the solo uh, game concept with him, huh?
1: Yeah, I I was thinking about that too. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's you know not not feeling great, so maybe we can do an hour here or there.
2: Mm-hmm. I think actually D&D Next is is pretty set up for that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that that I mean, this is something I, I was really glad to hear Merle's talk about this as a design parameter, that they want you to be able to play a full D&D game in an hour. And right. you're like, my God, I can't even get my character organized in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I hope they stick to
0: that. And so far, it feels like that. It takes us well, an hour just to get through the opening BS of, hey, how are you doing? How's your week been? You know? For well, me to get through my text is an hour.
1: There's some stuff that I wrote uh for fourth edition that I'd love to redo with d d next because I think it'll fit much better because I was doing a lot more s- story stuff and like quick little um non combat encounters mm-hmm. which I think will work much better in and d next but uh, I need to wait till they've settled stuff down and where it's easier to release stuff because I know there's like rules and stuff for a while
2: yeah I wrote my first um <laughs> my first adventure for them that used D and D next as the rule set and it was very liberating yeah it's mm-hmm. really you can really focus on environment and really focus on you know yeah. lo- all sorts of fun stuff without getting too bogged down and and the kind of stuff you know the big encounter design stuff you had to do with 4e mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's a lot of fun to it's a lot of fun to write for and i think that their I philosophy
1: imagine, i imagine it's tricky to
0: write for is. too though isn't it because it's changing
2: oh my god yeah <laughs> we we, were, we wrote with a boss monster that hadn't been designed yet. Awesome. Yeah. But it's great fun.
0: Because I've thought about that as as well as as I mean we're in the middle of the the open pitch window, right? Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking, you know, I cannot want to put my pitches. I would love to design this for either system. You just pick the one, <laughs> you know. But I can t- I know there'd be challenges in, in designing for next right now because it's not a, a stable system.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's my story. All right. Any last uh, advice from either one of you? Not for me. Have fun.
2: Relax and have fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally relax.
0: And if anything else, I would actually recommend um, listening to the way people are are running D&D Next. Um, Listen to some of the actual play podcasts from Wizards. Um, I know I have one that we have on our feed from Gen Con last year, the, the celebrity game. Although, be careful. It's raunchy. (laughs) <laughs> um, but but listen to how those DMs are running it, and I think you get an idea, uh, a good, good idea, sort of of how to pace things and and how to describe things and and where the rules come into play and where you just you know role play. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I know I've taken a lot of cues from their style, if not their specific stories and games.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. But yeah. yeah, be careful of that one. It is. <laughs> it is uh who who was it that got all nasty on that one? It Greenwood, wasn't it? Greenwood and Schwab. Okay. Oh, yeah. It was the combination of those two, oh. I think.
1: When you even get oh, it, James James White was in that one too, right?
0: Yes. Although he wasn't as raunchy. I,
1: no, but even he was starting to get a little <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I I, I almost felt Weird, releasing it because it was. It was <laughs> cause it's like, oh man! I'm like, I'm not taking credit for this. I did all I did was hit record. But <laughs> that's
2: right. you should have heard my apocalypse world game. Oh my god! All well, right.
1: and and then there was our episode 200, right? So
0: which is next ish? Yeah. Right. You sort of modified it uh, next to that because I mean you can't. We can't actually record anything. Only Watsy can can do stuff. Right. That's that's next at this point. Um, mm-hmm. because of the the agreement that you have to sign to play test it but yep
1: all right so we'd like to uh thank our guest mike shay thank where you can, uh just in case people have forgotten where can they find you
2: online dot com <laughs> slash lazy dm right well, that's for the book. That's the that's the the big push right now? To give me money. Go to SlyFlourish.com slash LazyDN. There you go. But yeah, no, it's just a, for my general D&D ranting is on SlyFlourish.com and I'm on Twitter at Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish.
1: Nice. Uh, and we'd also like to thank the listeners. Shop at Noble Knight and please let them know that you found them through us. Uh, and those of you who use our affiliate links to Amazon or D&D Classics at com, where you can find all the show notes as well.
0: And if you want to get a hold of us, you can contact us at thetomeshow at gmail.com for email. Or you can call us up at 919-BizTome. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E.
1: And that is episode 214, where we've taken our DMing skills to the next level. See what I did there? In this episode of... Brutto, 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 I'm on the wall.